Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in Skateboarding uh, today. Uh, okay, see, this is already stupid. And I've, I've never done that yet. I've always gone straight through. You're making me nervous. Um, okay, welcome to Believe in Skateboarding. Uh, this is your host, Jim Gray. And as we start off every show, we just ask the most important question on earth. I'm Jim Gray. Who the hell are you? Well, I'm the guy that was cruising down the street, and I suddenly realized I just bypassed Jim Gray's shop. And so I wheeled the big handboard van around, pissed off a guy with a BMW and pulled in here to say hi. I'm Pete Hamburg and Jim Gray. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was glad to see you. And I, uh, um, I love that. I mean, I, I appreciate that's one of my favorite things in life is that friends come by and visit me here. Yeah, I'm, I was only, I was really, I was actually, I was happy to see that nobody else was here and I was going to just have We could have one-on-one. -on -one. And you thought yeah. we were going to have a normal talk. We had a little bit of that. I know. But then I said, hey, Pete, I started a podcast. So you're going to come talk on my podcast. You're like, oh, shit. How much time do I have? Can I get out of this? Um, and no, you didn't do that. But I mean, uh, so we're going to talk on a podcast. Here we are. We're just going to wrap it up. So let's, uh, let, how about you, you tell your, your version of how we met. Okay, so um, Chris Chappett said... Who owned ABEC 11 Wheels, for some ABEC of you 11 youngsters wheels. who don't pay attention. Yeah, and they're, out, they're on the other side of Huntington Beach, uh, our, sh our shop uh, behind the power plant. We were, had our little thing going on. We used exclusively ABEC 11 Wheels, and uh, so we were invited to this special event. And um, as many times happens with me because I'm um, a surfer, body surfer, sports-wise, who has inadvertently injected myself and my family into the skateboarding you world. You accidentally fell into the skateboarding Actually world. fell into the skateboarding world. Well, thanks, because you've had some fun <laughs> in my life, so that's good. I was, you know... You're a skateboarding accident. I'm going to call you that. <laughs> skateboarding accident. Pete Hamburg, skateboarding accident. That'll be the title of the show. That is true. Very true. And I... Um, and so I get in, I get introduced to illuminaries within the skateboarding world. But you didn't know who I was. Didn't know you who just you met were. me at a bar, right? It was I, in Laguna I, Beach, right? I, We're just like, hey, I like this guy. Who yeah, is he? Yeah, right. Um, and, yeah. and and again, I mean, as braggadocious as I can be, and honestly, I mean, I people know what I do. I'm not very quiet about it. Uh, I never, we never really talked about what I did or any history or that. Just like, yeah, I'm just a, some skateboard dude yeah. who rides skateboards. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I just liked you. <laughs> and I liked and, you too. And then come to find out, oh, you've kind of got this history. And well, I think it was maybe probably third or four. We went like three or four times before yeah. we ever really talked about it. And huh. then you started talking about, uh, and, and before I even met you, I knew of Hamboards and the, the company. And again, for those of you who don't know, Hamboards makes these amazingly cool long boards that turn out turn any short board you've ever ridden they're really fun they're basically where they were made to surf on the sidewalk yeah right 
because Pete and his five sons are all surfers, lifeguards. I mean, they have this real deep-rooted history in California surf, so they wanted to make a, a surfboard for the sidewalk. And I got to give you a lot of credit because first and foremost, a lot of guys that are my peers in skateboarding started skateboard companies, and first they rejected longboarding altogether, and then when they decided to join in, they put out a longboard that was so shitty that didn't even turn. Like, they didn't even measure. Like, you think they never put one together and wrote it. They just made it through their name on it. And I was like... Fucking morons, man. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, it's like, uh, so here I get this board from someone who really isn't in the skateboard industry. Um, so doesn't look at it from the skateboard industry standpoint. He looks at it from like, let's make this thing do what we want it to do. Let's surf on the sidewalk. And, uh, and what you guys came up with is freaking amazing. Like, everyone who comes here, I drag them out there and force them to ride it. Um, <laughs> because the minds of the skateboard culture were pretty close they, to anything. Yeah. And I'm sure you learned that uh, yeah. hardcore. So. And, so as, and so making that connection with you and having you be open-minded and, and even like kind. Well, I got to actually admit <laughs> something though. Like you're the, one of the first people, because I do a lot of consulting on accident for free. Um, uh, and I'm saying just because I like people. And when people start something in the skateboard business, I don't want them to go through the difficulties and beat themselves up. So I'm pretty honest with the kids that start out or guys just like talking about it, And I go... Here's what to be careful of. Here's what to whatever. I just like to share what I've learned um, because there's really no reason for them to have to beat their head against the wall. So when you mentioned something about manufacturing, I said, well, I don't know if you know, I made a few million skateboards. And you're like, no, I didn't know that. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I had a factory. In fact, I even talked to Brad Applegate, our mutual friend, about making handboards. Well, you know, he showed me like, you think you can make these? I mean, years ago when I was uh -huh. still making skateboards. So um, you had passed through my world, but we oh, didn't, you know, ever right. interact with each other. So, uh, so yeah. So, so the first time I asked for a consulting fee, and this was just because I didn't know you well enough. Most people are like, oh, hey, give me a free skateboard. They'll give me a free skateboard. <laughs> right. But I'm like, how about you come over and we'll talk about whatever you want to pick from my brain about skateboarding, but you're going to bring me a handboard. You know? <laughs> and when you brought me, it's still sitting over there on the side of my office. Uh, you know, one of the most popular street skaters of all time, Daywon Song, did a podcast with me the other day, rode it out in the parking lot, and his par partner, Tori Pudbull, oh, and they were, they were like just tripping on how that thing turned. Oh, and so you know, cool. Neil Blender, I've had so many people on that thing. Uh, so, so you made a great product. So as a skateboarder, thank you. And to the skateboard industry, fuck you. You guys are morons. Okay, so so now so let's talk about you coming in. Well, I mean, literally, dude, you're a surfer, lifeguard, fireman. You, know, you have all stuff. And you make a better skateboard than like a hundred guys that have started companies just to be, and they're skate, diehard skateboarders. Like, oh, I'm a diehard skateboarder. And they cut every corner and don't pay any attention to what they did. Didn't even make the product work. And for some reason, they were still proud to put their name on it. That I've never fucking understood. And then I meet this guy like, hey, check out this fucking fireman dude. His board rides better than you. Fuck you, skateboard industry. That's how I, because I mean, this, you gotta be morons you well, know, to, I mean, to miss that. Uh, you know? Well, and the funny thing, it was like, it was also, there was a little bit of, of really, there was a kind of an agony because I knew, because I, I can remember being like pubescent and having... Like, you mean young and cool? Young like and neither cool. of us are that anymore. Yeah. So I, I, I sometimes vaguely have those memories. <laughs> and, my, and I had an older cousin who surfed and he had, and, and this is so long ago, we were surfing, he was surfing single fin glassed on longboards and he was taking me in his Ford Falcon and we went down, we went down Main Street and we turned right and we're cruising along the uh, the old Huntington Beach Junior High there, mm -hmm. and this is in the mid 70s, 
and there were guys there skateboarding. It was kind of like Huntington Beach version of Dogtown. Dogtown. Yeah, yeah. And well, no, because I mean, Dogtown took credit for everything, and they, they, they had a very their their largest thing that I personally can give them credit for is a unique style. Yeah. They brought a unique style to it. But there's no doubt the Jack surfboard guys in Huntington had teams and you know stuff that at least date, if not predate, what was going on yeah. there. So it's not I, like there was no skateboarding going on anywhere else. Yeah, it's just someone had a good cinematography team. And you know we're more connected, and, and more, they and built it. They did a film, they so they're yeah more to, well, more power. Yeah, and they were closer to Hollywood, yeah, for sure. And, what, the, and the interesting thing is, is what and I learned this um, from old guys that would cruise by the shop and see what was going on with handboards there, um, like Bob Baloo, for instance. Yeah, they make a really interesting case that because of Huntington Beach's close connection with the industrial world. Because so much of well, we had more product being made over here. There you and go. And to this day, the yeah. whole surf culture and whole surf world is almost entirely not LA based. Yeah. Orange County dominates yeah. it there completely. Uh, yeah. So and I mean, so, you're, you're sitting here wearing a Hurley hat, and let's let's face it, Bob Bob Ballou, for those who don't know, was my partner in PowerFlex Wheels. Uh, he he started in 1975. I rode for him in the late 70s, and about five or six years ago, partnered back up with him to do it. Pete knows him from around town. He's a diehard old Huntington guy. You're wearing a Hurley hat. Hurley says one of the reasons he's in business at all is because Bob Ballou lived across the street from him and encouraged him to start his business. No way. Okay, so oh, you know Bob. when he was at Bob. his service, memorial service, he was like, you know, I don't know if I'd be here without Bob Ballou. He encouraged me to go out and do my own thing and shape and, yeah. you know, and uh, and obviously Hurley's done pretty well and the, yeah. the Hurley family. And I've, I know I didn't know them that well. I've only known them in passing, but I've met them better in the last few years and they're really great people. So Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and Bob, like, would just rattle off just the history of Huntington Beach and, and and his connection with the skateboarding, oh, yeah. thing. I forget the half the names, but he never stops. Bud Lamas, all these guys yeah. were all early team riders. Yeah, know? early team riders, yeah. and then also like you know some of the some of the early urethane came right out of. Well, them. he was selling other wheels, Stokers that he actually named for the company that made them. He was a sales yeah. rep for them, there and he go. named the wheel the Stoker, which was a famous wheel. And then at some point, he wanted to make his own wheel. Um, and the interesting thing about Powerflex is uh, Powerflex was named by Robert August. You know, a lot of people don't know that, but uh, they were around at a party and they were saying, you know, because everything flexible was cool back then and mm -hmm. they wanted to sound strong, so tossing around different things. And Robert August goes, what about Power Flex? And Bob goes, no, I love it. You know, and so, so Robert August technically named Power Flex. So um, that was just 1970s uh, Huntington Beach party talk. There you go. So, there you go. Uh, and okay, so my, my point was is that my exposure to that, I'm really aware of what I saw going on there on the east side, that little concrete. And you were born and bred Huntington Beach? Born and bred, no, was not born and bred Huntington Beach. Uh, we moved out here from the Midwest when I was eight years old, lived up the hill in Costa Mesa, but had a lot of- The capital of, of cool, as I call cap it. Yeah, capital of cool, but had a, was regularly down in Huntington, and that okay. was another example of going, you know, and, and having that exposure. But you were an Orange County raised kid. I lived in yeah. Westminster, right? Westminster Fountain Valley border. There you go. Huntington was the next city over, and it's also, right. that's it's where we part, roamed. All part of that, yeah, yeah, that realm. And then, so, I know that what was going on there at the beginning, the foundational roots of skateboarding, was to basically make a wheeled piece of wood feel like a surfboard when you rode it. That's what those guys Oh, people were, were surfing on their boards. That was the they whole intention of early skateboarding. Yeah, that's what early skateboarding yeah, freestyle, was. Freestyle, everything developed yeah. out of the motion of the movement, but early people just zigzagged around their skateboards. 
you know, the early tic tacs, let's face it, because the trucks didn't turn yet. Yeah, you had right. to lift your wheels up and right. tic tac them back and forth because right. that's and that was the best thing you could do towards gyration. And, and I totally respect where where mainstream skateboarding has evolved to. It's it's incredible. Well, you can't stop it. You can't it, stop it's, it. That's why I tease the yeah. skateboard industry all the time because they have tried to hold things back. They have tried to hide stuff. They've tried to sweep stuff under the rug. They realize you can't stop youth. Youth just says. We're going to do what we want. Fuck you, society. And what happened is for about 10, 15 years, some skateboarders took over the culture of skateboarding, took over the magazines, took control of all the media. And that's when that's all you saw. And so we got a real false portrayal of the only desire in skateboarding was what they desired to sell. Uh, Social media ripped that back away from them a decade ago Mm -hmm. and has further ingrained out there now that you can't hide what people do in skateboarding. If you want to see someone freestyle or slalom or downhill or ride old school boards or old, old school tricks, it's all out there. Right. I mean, and there still is ridicul- a ridiculously conscious effort within a lot of the skateboard industry to make sure that nothing gets seen but guys riding down rails and stairs, stuff like that. And right. it's just because it's all they know. And they're completely afraid of the reality that they aren't skateboarding. Skateboarding is skateboarding. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Skateboarding is its own life. You know, what you made is a part of skateboarding. It's a big sidewalk surfing skateboard. And to me, I embrace it. Obviously, you can see all the boards I have here. You know, freaking slalom boards and eight-wheelers. And to me, it's a fun alternative thing to have, have in your skateboard. And I, and I love your boards. I'm still pissed off you took the five foot seven one. You never brought it back. You were getting another <laughs> sample made. And I lost a ham board. You know, it's like... Uh, oh, so, that's right. I yeah. do. Oh, yeah, that yellow one. The yellow one. Oh, it's just my like gosh. it disappeared. Okay, so, all right. All right. Well, we'll, so right we'll, now in front of the we'll, world, the whole world, there's at least three <laughs> listeners listening today. Pete Hamburg is an Indian giver. Uh, he brought me uh, a beautiful five foot I, seven. Imagine that. Like, that's like 97 of the board you're probably riding put together. Mm-hmm. And he, he took it away from me. And I sometimes I go to bed at night and I have little dreams of yellow in the back of my head. Where's my big yellow kind of pintail? Oh, it's like, my God. Okay. Yeah. Well, so Pete's feeling the pain I, right I'll now. get you a better a better bamboo version of that. Oh, okay. wow. I so like that. I still, I, my I, other one is bamboo. Oh, so tell yeah. us what's going on with handboards these days. What's your involvement with handboards? So I know there's a change over. I, yeah, I have really had the opportunity to kind of just uh, pull away when it got unfun, when it yeah. went to um, a transition. Well, I sat there the night you were on Shark Tank. Yes, I was, at I, your, I was at your party. It was fun. Yes, you know. Oh, uh, dude, that was was it, that an it amazing was fun, party? Yeah. And so what that ended up was a cascading series of events where the company started to grow so fast and had not only the Shark Tank one, but then a series of other market opportunities that it was we required capitalization to be able to get the product. And am, and I, am I wrong saying that the downside of capitalization means the quality changes? The quality the, changes. The heart the, and soul. The it's heart so and soul. Hard. Yeah. Well, because with the capitalization changes, the ownership structure. And demands for profit. Demands for profit. Exactly. Yeah. A demands lot of people, profit. a lot of you skaters out there don't realize that so much of the skateboard industry operates on almost no profit because the passion for it. People keep yes. these companies alive for oh years that never make a penny because they're passionate about skateboarding. And skateboarders, in a sense, benefit from that. Yes. Because there's always the battle going on. Keeps prices from raising, keeps things like that going on. So, But when you we, learned firsthand. When we, were, when we were making 
really amazing handcrafted boards that I was. And I loved coming to the shop just watching them. Dude, yeah. And we were, I was roll pumped. that grip tape on in front of me, baby. UV cure it. I get to watch it. I get to smell the resin drying. Yeah. It wasn't tape. It was actually a, a unique compound that was it, cured with UV. It, it right. Was, yes. Yeah. It was awesome. And so, but I would. I would. I was proud to sign and number each one. I was every single one I gave to a person. And I love that you had your log in the shop where you wrote down every board you made. Yeah. And it was really cool. I'm honored that I made the stickers that you put on top of them that you glassed over. There you so go. I, exactly. I'm, I'm part of ham boards. You, Woo! You if you've got a ham board out there somewhere in your garage, you got my sticker on there. <laughs> That's right. And so it was, and and then that just went away when. Um, oh, what I was, I was gonna. Uh, I was going to connect with your point, which was at that time we were not making a profit. Yeah. We were we just you know the water level. You were making bitching stuff. Yeah, Hard to make we were a profit. making bitching stuff, but we knew that it just felt right. And then that's we, why I liked you, Pete. Yeah, yeah. It, it just felt right. It just felt right. <laughs> and so what ended up happening was is that when we when you have investors come on. They want their, they want money. They want to see profit. They want to, and then all of a sudden, it just makes sense to the people that have now got the power in the system to say, "Hey, these need to be made over in China. Yeah. They need to be shipped to internet fulfillment warehouses or directly to Amazon." And uh, and then basically, the whole Huntington Beach operation, myself included, was was backwatered. All of a sudden, I'm like this figurehead. And um, I, I just, still think of you as the main guy. As the main, yeah. And you know what? It's neat because, like, you know, there's still there's still cool things going on with handboards, like you know, up at Kelly Slater Surf Ranch. Supposedly, the the thing to do. I heard they're building some little thing to skate or something like that. Some supposedly, the hand. Brad, Brad Applegate even teased me with the words Kelly Slater Surf Park Day. I'm always waiting, hoping there's going to be like a old washed up surf skater day you know what i mean like yeah. we need to see we need to see how, what old washed up skaters can do on the wave and yeah. um or at least someday i know that rents it to throw in a shindig party there wa you go. wants to watch an old washed up skateboard fall on his face like i i, I invited 50 <laughs> people to skate I, they want to watch an old skater fall on their face so we invited you so i'm really hoping for that invite wow. i print stickers for firewire for one of the oh. kelly brands like that uh, I print stickers for community, a few different brands Kelly's done, mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, but I've never met Kelly. Mm -hmm. So Kelly would, Kelly would go, I'm Kelly Slater, who the fuck is Jim Gray? I mean, that's like, he probably had never heard my name. So, but Kelly, I want to ride your wave, man. Come on. There you go. I can grind harder in a pool than you can, just because you can surf better than me. Like, like big deal. Like, that makes you like a big shot or something? Come on. Yeah. But, okay, so that's kind of an epicenter right now, one of the epicenters in the world of surfing. And supposedly, somehow, handboards have become the the cool thing to ride when you're not the one guy well, out there waiting surfing. Between. We were just talking about that earlier. You have to wait as there's like a yeah. structured thing. Like, and it's okay, Kelly. I will wait till two p.m. if that's when my <laughs> scheduled session. Just letting you know. Yeah. Tell your scheduling people. I know you don't do it, but still. <laughs> so there you have it. And so and so, it's neat. It's gratifying to know that. It's gratifying to know that, that handboards and the, the, our concept that, you know, like you mentioned youth, which was totally driven. It was, you know, my five little... And you, this washed up old freaking fireman surfer dude with his just, five kids. He built a skateboard, just, obviously, just to please his kids. Yeah. Like, come on, daddy wants to be cool. Right. You know, I was a skateboarder. My kids still didn't think I was cool. <laughs> well, they're, 
the thing is, is they were the driving force. Yeah. You know, hey, Dad. Your kids are really nice. Your kids yeah. are, you, yeah, I mean, honestly, let's talk parenting. You did a good job. Your okay. children are all very respectful. They're okay. kind. They're, they were always easy to talk to. Um, they weren't like out in space, like, you know, you know, dipping dots, you know, they were just like, they, they, they feel like they actually got an education and oh, they still got to surf and be lifeguards. There you go. There you go. And, and they uh, made you four grandchildren. I've heard that's four grandsons. So we just keep, we just, yeah, keep, you, know, you got you, just the sons. You were just, my you, life is continuing You are so tes for testosterone laden. That's not even funny. This is a man who had five sons who have now had four sons. Yeah. So my, my and if they is, all do the route of three each or something like that, there's going to be like 15 more, more little Hamburgs. I guess you're really worried about that name fading out, aren't you? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. If, if, you, if people who still knew what a phone book was, they'd realize we were going to get our own like page three pages. The whole thing. Yeah. So those, yeah. for those of you who didn't put it together, Hamboard is actually part, made by Hamborg. How is that? Wow. There, yeah. Th these guys were, had a real stretch. They had a really big party to come up with that name. What are we going to call our Hamborgs? Hamborg. What are we going to call our Hamborgs skateboards? How about right. call it Hamboards? That way we don't have to think of anything else. else. No. <laughs> Just teasing. It's a good That's name. As creative well, you know, as we I'm get. a ham, but you're equally as big a ham as oh, I am. So. Yeah, I know. Just the, and the, the, it's been cool. The different things that this ham board experience has um, just just allowed my sons and I to experience experience fun. You got to meet Jim Gray. I got. I mean, seriously, I just, we would not. Be, we we wouldn't even be here. I mean, I, and uh, who on earth would not want to have met me? Uh, except yeah. for most people on earth. But still, <laughs> that's. Uh, uh, but let's talk about other stuff because skateboarding is obviously you may decide to make a skateboard. It's a unique product. I love it. Um, I've had a lot of fun with it. We've had fun meeting each other. But you're also a fireman, and you've been a fireman for it's almost retirement time. How many yeah, years? Thirty-two years. Thirty-two years. You work for the Orange County Fire Authority. Authority, yeah. Okay, and I visited you at the fire department once. It was really rad. Got to see him wearing his fireproof suit and everything. That mm -hmm. um, me at the gate, and I got to see all these crazy things. They they basically work off the runway at John Wayne Airport. Yeah. And have all the equipment in case there's a plane crash. Yeah. You know, so they have all this crazy foam fillers and stuff like this pierces the top of the plane and squirts <laughs> in foam. I'm like, holy crap. Some of the stuff you never knew happened. So, yeah, Pete's, uh, Pete's yeah. got some exciting stuff going on. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have breaking news. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement. After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. Imagine that. The new and improved trimmer was just released moments ago, and we are the first to confirm the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping Trimmer is now available for purchase. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLEAV at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BLEAV. Your balls will thank you. Got some exciting stuff going on the other side of yeah. life, you know? The fire service has a lot of cool equipment to get stuff done different types of fires, but the, the, the stuff on the runway is really specific and really unique. We've got like 70 stations, but only one is there at John Wayne for my No, it's partner. really cool. It taught me a lot. I mean, because obviously over the years, I mean, my kids are we're Boy Scouts and whatever. We've been to fire stations and police stations and you see things. It's kind of cool just to see the back, but then to see a unique one for the airport. That really, was, that was definitely cool. Yeah. I've got to, I've got to be at that station for a long time and it's gotten to the point where 
I'm uh, the guy to go to when you need to get an airplane off the runway really quick after the crash because I've kind of specialized in that. So there's never there hasn't been too many, many bad crashes, but they're usually like wings or like a landing gear doesn't come down yes. and scrape the front. You got to get out there before it sparks up or whatever, and yeah. then get them off the runway get so the next the guy runway. can land. Well, because John Wayne has only one good runway. Yeah. And so, so it just shuts all the flights down if just, someone's yes, landing Yes, just two here. Sundays during the air show, yeah. they had four planes that needed to take off to be part of the air show on top of all the Continental and American yeah. and Southwest planes that needed to take off and land on that one runway. And we've got a, a two-seater uh, Cessna 310 sitting out there with a broken landing gear that collapsed on him when he landed. And you have, it's like, what, like a crane forklift sort of race yeah. out there and link yeah. them up and drag them out of it's the way? It's literally a 40-ton rough terrain crane with these big, huge wheels that has a Code three red lights. Do you ever do you ever look up at the at the runway while you're doing that and think like you're like a hamster on the highway <laughs> and you're hoping a, a, a greyhound bus isn't coming to land? That's exactly you. what it feels like. <laughs> I can imagine look at that runway going, man, that seven thirty seven would not feel good if they did, if their stuff wasn't working and they landed anyways and yeah, ran me and, over. And, so. the, and the pilot, the aircraft owner, go, dude, this is like a five hundred thousand dollar airplane. You know, and you go, I don't attention. care, my life's worth more than that. You know, as you're scraping, scraping his thing. Yeah, I tried to. Trying to move his airplane in eight minutes. So have you worked at the for a fire authority the whole time you've been a fireman? Yes, at the fire authority. And basically the vast majority of my career has been there at the airport. Okay. Like 25 years. What What's your most harrowing firefighting experience? Ooh, the harrowing firefighting experience would be, uh, would be a residential um, early in my career. Uh, it was a big two-story home. Uh, and there was like a... The trash can had burnt through on the side of the house through the... So those the, trash uh, cans I lit on fire as a child yeah, inside the house did, was not yeah. a good so idea. It's yeah. three o'clock When I was getting morning. near the eaves and I was five years old, I was wondering, should I pull it away from the eaves? Or, really? And I'm not kidding at all. I was a oh. pyro as a child. Oh, well, I, I raked leaves and burned burned piles of them. Right. Well, I, I think pyromania to a degree is a sign of somebody who likes to... Who's, who's a higher form of intelligence. I like the excitement of life. That's and why you're here doing a go. podcast and with me. Fire. I'm too bored to have a regular work you know, day. Come on. I want to do podcasts yeah. with people and, and talk. See, you know, and see, if it wasn't for this podcast, you'd probably be lighting something on fire. I probably would. So, okay, yeah. so you got a residential fire. Residential fire, and it's, and it's burned into the natural gas line on the side of the house. And so this house is ripping, and it's also catching on in the house and next door to it, blah, 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 blah. So, and so we've got crews from L.A. County coming in. Somehow I got peeled off my regular crew and got in with um, an L.A. County crew that like didn't know me. And we just kind of like disconnected. Was it just like in life overall when they were wearing $300 jeans and slicking their hair back <laughs> and looking like, dude, we shop on Melrose, bro. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they were, right. they were superior. They, they were superior. They were superior oh, yeah. to the people behind the But they never really realized Orange That's County was always the better place to live. I, I mean, you know, and so I ended up in a situation where... Um, when things got hot and shitty, they bailed out, didn't tell me they were bailing out. And so I was uh, upstairs in a house that was burning down. And so they, they thought it was about to collapse, so they ran ran away? Yeah, they wow. bailed out. Yeah. Damn, and, and LA firefighters getting called <laughs> out on some chicken shit stuff. No. All right, well, go on. It's a reality. It was a long time ago. Right. Long time those guys ago. were all retired. We won't and, mention any names. And it was basically like one of those things where it was almost like a movie scene where it was fight, fire, or die. So basically I had uh, to... Uh, put out the fire so that it so you could get out so I could get out yeah. and uh, and you were trapped upstairs I was trapped upstairs but in a uh, hallway was it like what was that how, how was that it was yeah, up in the master bedroom yeah. 
and uh, then all of a sudden there's fire behind me and on top of me and around me and so uh, but I just kind of I it was things worked out yeah yeah, yeah. that's good I'm and glad so yeah um, that was probably the most the most intense one so um, we've had some some pretty good calls um, with uh, that have been challenging uh, with some aircraft fires there at John Wayne. Um, those things are so dramatic and involve so much fuel and happen so quickly that uh, they really, you know, they happen rarely, but they're very intense and very invigorating. So, uh, but none that I've had there that were actually threatening. Well, because this podcast is about skateboarding and skateboarders and how it affected their life, I'm just going to basically take credit and say that skateboarding made all that happen. Just because the fact that you wrote a skateboard, it made it possible for you to do all that stuff. That's right. Because it makes makes people superhumans. You it, know. You know what? I got it. I I'm, I'm tracking with you. I'm tracking with you. It, it um you have you have an edge your average guy doesn't have. There's something about just the survival instinct to, to ride a skateboard. See, yeah. I mean, yeah. surfers they get anger because mm -hmm. they look at every wave coming in as like a gift from God that's going to go away. And if someone doesn't ride it or someone falls on it in front of them, they just stole, like it was like taking like the strawberry fields and stepping on them in front of you instead of eating them. That's how surfers look at waves. I've always tried to figure out why surfers are such dicks. Okay, And I love lots of surfers, mm -hmm. but in the water, surfers are dicks. Okay, yeah. They kind of just are dicks. They're just mm -hmm. assholes. I mean, the rudest, ruthless, like, fuck you, get out of the way. It's like, meet me at the skate park, bitch. I'll show you how to grind. You know, um, but seriously, I mean, I've never felt awesome in the water because it's like I'm not as proficient as I am at skateboarding but even if I go to the skate park and I'm like really good and some kids not I'm gonna like encourage him to get in there surfing that doesn't exist and I, and I really I've always wondered why and part of it I really come to the conclusion way every wave is one of a kind you know and surfers for whatever greedy too much bong token God knows what mm -hmm. um, they look at a wave coming in and think like man if I don't get that that's just like you stealing my Christmas presents from under the tree. It's like you taking my sandwich off my plate, draining the gas out of my car. It's like you're just literally taking something from me. So they, they like, the whole idea that that wave is, if I can get it, it's mine. And if you're less than me, like a kid taking a run in the bowl that's less of a skater than me, he's not stealing from me. He's just getting his time. Getting his but time. a surfer literally, subconsciously, whether they want to admit it or not, thinks any Barney that doesn't rip a wave all the way from either just falling off, taking taking off, or, or riding and not getting very far, saying like, fucking kook, stole my yeah. wave. I could have had that. I would have ridden all the shore because I'm rad and I would have done 32 cutbacks and 16 go. backside airs. And, well, they um, wasted so, it. They wasted, uh, they wasted it. That's they a good way to say it. They wasted that yeah. wave. They chewed my wave up right in front of me and spit it at my feet. Yeah, you know, that's you like go. so... That's Right. I've always, yeah, but I love surfing. I absolutely love surfing, um, and uh, and I love that we talked about therapy earlier because you know we were talking about my intense psychotherapy that I go through, which I'm just kidding, but my, that's usually me falling on a skateboard. Uh, and Pete does his therapy with our mutual friend Brad Teschner um, down in uh, what's it called Fisherman's Cove. Fisherman's Cove, and uh, we do some stand up paddling. So I've never stand up paddled like in the bay, like all the people calm. The only time I've ever gone, these these suckers drag me out past waves and I'm like I can barely stand up I'm like it, it, it's I'm like I like kayaking it's relaxing I just paddle all chill you guys gotta stand there and hold your legs in place um, I mean it is fun uh, the funniest thing about an SUP that I have not come to understand is that it's such a pain in the ass that it wants to either turn right or turn left because you paddle on one side and that just 
I'm sure that's a rhythmic thing you get used yeah. to. Just, yeah. But like, I'm so like, I'm gonna, I gotta fight, fight oh. the right turn while I paddle, fight oh, the left turn while right I paddle. Oh, yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. yeah, you just, you just realize, hey, it's just gonna be kind of like this little. Zip I guess, I guess, and there's something you're about so, that. Like, yeah. maybe that's some part of me that like fights that. That that actually angers me when I'm out there. Really? Like, ah, I'm paddling with my right arm and it's trying to turn left. I'm going, I don't want to go left. I want to go straight. <laughs> that's not efficient. That's gonna take me longer to get a mile out there oh, to seal oh, rock oh, because oh, I'm gonna go ziggity zaggity ziggity zag. Oh my so, God. And well, if you put cones out there, then the skateboarder would kick in and the guy, the old skateboarder, like, just too slalom on the way to... See, yeah, so can we have buoys installed from Fisherman's Cove, yeah. just like seal rock and around there, and I'll come SUP with you guys all the time. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so who are your favorite people that you've met in skateboarding? And you don't have to say me because you're here. We obviously love each other, so yeah, I'll at least well, agree that yeah. I'm probably on your top 60. You know, so, so name like a few other people that you've uh, had good relationships with. I mean, Chris Chappett, I imagine, is on the uh, yeah, list. Oh, yeah. He's a pain in the yeah, ass, too. And Chappett, you're going to have to come on here, too, because I want to heckle your ass on freaking oh, thing, because they broke the mold when they uh, made you. I think they broke your mind when you came out, too. Uh, but th- we say that in a loving way. You're nuts, but you're fun. Um, so you've, you've had a lot of time with Chris, so you know he's crazy. Yeah. Um, he's like a mad scientist. He's and, like, oh, man, Chris you know, is... And he cares a lot. He does. You know, so yeah. I definitely, that's why I have liked hanging out with him, regardless. And then, yeah. and then Brad Teschner worked with him. Yeah, Brad so. Teschner... Um, you know, and then on the other other side of things, uh, Reggie Barnes. Reggie's the best. Just just a super solid. Reggie, I mean, yeah. I do Powerful X Wheels. Reggie was one of our first team riders. You know, yeah. when he Bob Blue sponsored him when he was a kid out here. That's how far oh, back oh, they go. Yeah, no yeah, way. he was a Powerful X team guy. Oh and uh, and that's when I met him when he was living out here in Huntington. Mm-hmm. And then he went back to build the world's largest distribution place for skateboarding, which is cool. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, and he's a great and he's a great guy. So I see him. When he comes out here, usually we get together, have dinner, or like that. So right. love Reggie. Right. Then, um, yeah, there's, um, you know, the interesting thing is, is that I've met so many people at like the different conventions and events and trade shows. And uh, because I have such a deficient background in. They don't give you credibility. Well, the thing is, is that I. I've had people come up to me and go, I really like what you're doing. This is really cool. I love your family. Yeah. And they'll spend time. And then I'll just go, gosh, thank you so much. And people walk up afterwards and they go, do you know who that was? And I'll go, no. Was somebody who was here at the trade show? And they go, dude, it was. (laughs) And I'll go, oh, they go, you don't know who that was, do you? You don't even know who I'm talking about. And I'm like... And I understand that. And I'm like... like Lance Mountain and, and John Lacerra were in here earlier. And there's a couple guys. I had, you know, I asked him, do you know who those guys are? He's like, oh, I think so. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, you don't know what to expect. You know, yeah. I certainly don't expect anyone knows who I am. So I'm certainly surprised. I met like a really hot, young street skater at a place called The Barracks, which is like the coolest street skating place in the world, whatever, I don't know, about a month ago. And I just said, hey, Chris, I'm Jim Gray. Nice to meet you. I never met before. And he goes, oh, I'm honored. I'm thinking, like, I didn't think he'd know who I was. You know what I mean? So you just don't know. You don't know who's right. going to know you or what, yes. their, what their connection was with companies you did or brands you did. So, so and initially... But you make a unique product. Well, yeah, so. I make a unique product. And initially it was like pretty much mainstream skateboarding was really rejective of it. Mm-hmm. Because and it's different. Because it was different. And then after a while, because we, we did it for like a long time. We started yeah. in 2006. I mean, I had someone, I don't know if it was a ham board. It might have been a carver board or something. But I wrote something different and put a film of myself out back. Because I, I, that's, that's me. I'm a clown. I ride everything I ride. 
for fun and when I fall, I show people falling because it's reality. They're going to fall too. Yeah. So, um, so I was writing, maybe it was a cardboard, I can't remember, but somebody actually wrote a note like on my post, like, you know, he's like, why don't you just go, you know, like get some roller blades or something. I mean, it was just like, you know, which is basically a put down to most skateboarders. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I just, I fully like chewed them out, like in public too. I was honest about it. I go, listen, fucker, why'd you start skateboarding? I butt boarded down my driveway. And then we, <laughs> then we catamaran together. Then we jumped over trash cans over sticks. And then we did, high, you know, we did high jump and long jump. And then eventually we did 360s. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I've, gone through every level of skateboarding. Skateboarding to me is about riding and motion. Yeah. So for you to reject a company because your friends don't have tattoos of that company's on their arm and they don't have some freaking truck brand that talks shit on everybody, you know, on their trucks and so on. So it's like, wait, you, you judge a company by how bullshit they are? You know what I mean? It's like, I judge stuff by what's real. You know, I've written a lot of really cool longboards. I've written some really wacko longboards too. Yeah. Um, but you didn't build a wacko product. You built a rad product. But people will prejudge yes. before they even try it. And I'm, I'm always one just like, you yeah, guys, grow the fuck up. Yeah. I want everything. I want every type of skateboard that comes out, I try to get my hands on one. And some mm -hmm. of them really suck. Right. But a handboard didn't suck. So. Yeah, well, you know what? And I get it. The first time, if, if I saw a big, huge skateboard, like a handboard, especially the, the classic, the big six foot six. Yeah, one, that thing's huge. The, my first impression would be like, why? What the hell? Why would <laughs> no, I'd be going like compensating? That's yeah, all exactly. I'd say. Compensating? compensating. What are you making up for and there, buddy? No. It's just like, that's just so stupid. It's such a stupid idea. But then I always can. Dude, but, when I watch a kid ride side, those things, I was like, like, what? I'm like, you want to, did you ever see anybody want ride one of these? Yeah. You, you want to try? Oh, no, I don't know. It's like, well, let me just show you what we're thinking here. I've never gotten used to riding longboard surfing because I'm so used to skateboarding and such quick movement. Longboard surfing to me, it's just like so oddly slow as far as taking out, but you get every wave, but I just stand there. I don't know what to do. That's my own lack of skills. Because I watch yeah. people ride longboards and go, man, they look that, they make that look fun. The way they walk up and down it and spin around and freaking run to the tail and run back up to the nose. And all I do is just stand there right at the shore and go, I don't want to fucking ride a longboard. This thing doesn't do anything. Because, because I expect magic to happen. So if someone hops on your handboard and pushes it and thinks they're going to kick flip it or something like that, it's like, well... That's not really what's going to happen. No. Um, actually, I did a grind on your handboard. Remember the picture? That was, that was in your toilet. That's yes, they, I gave them a picture of me riding a handboard, doing a grind in, in a pool. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever done a grind in a yeah. pool on that that we knew. And I hit my front truck carving a pool, which was really scary. Because leg <laughs> legendary Brad Bowman skateboarders went after me, and he carved and, and jumped off of it, and it ran into his ankle. He said it was bruised for like a month. Oh. You know, because, yeah, you're bored. What, what, is a, what is the middle one, the five foot, oh, seven, the one, five foot four of the fish? Is that like... 17 pounds, 27 yeah. pounds. I mean, yeah, like, it's like it's around 22 pounds. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. It'll, it'll put a dent in your, in your so, uh, maleolus. So the fact that I grinded that made me kind of yeah. proud. So. Yeah, I, I was stunning. I mean, it, it, was on, it was up on the wall. Oh, but we're forgetting the real part about the picture. Big deal. So I grinded it. Like, so I give them a picture that I had printed on canvas. And, what are the, and when I come back in the, and I signed it and everything, like, you know, I'm Jim Gray. Don't you know who the fuck I am? No, I didn't. It just said, love you guys, whatever. Um, when I come back, it's in the bathroom. So next time I came over, I had to, you know, go to the bathroom, I close the door and I look up at myself and I go, wow, everybody gets to watch me riding the handboard while they go potty. So we're, Pete and I are exceptionally well bonded now. Yeah, we are. That's, I know yeah. that, uh, you know, he looked at my business while he was doing his business. So. <laughs> you were in the shit here at the handboards. That, that, that was in the official bathroom. 
I was. Well, and again, you. you walked in today just to say hi. I plugged my recorder in. This is how most of my ham, ham boards, my ham boards, this is a ham board now. We renamed podcasts into ham boards. <laughs> uh, no, most of my podcasts are going to be random, randomness with people. I've had a couple of them at like dinner, like a kid at skate park wanted to interview. He's like, I'm going to be gone for 10 days. Like, what are you doing tonight? Like, oh, nothing good. We're having a hamburger. So I brought the recorder, put it on the table and, and literally ordered burgers while we're talking. So um, I don't think this is going to be an orthodox uh, podcast. Well, this was not an orthodox event for me. That's for sure. But it was... It's been enjoyable. Enjoyable. It is. I'm glad that you enjoy coming here. That means something good because you're, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think of a bunch of really cool things to say. I know when I drive, drive yeah, away that I didn't say. Afterwards, yeah. So we're gonna have to do this again. Yeah, and we have part two. You have to like have your whole list of compliments to shower me with, shower me with, and stuff like that all written down. You know. Or shower with you. <laughs> <laughs> this is not that kind of podcast. There will be no men showering with men on this podcast. Um, at least not these men. But, uh, but showering of compliments will always be. Yeah. My shower compliments is um, I appreciate you. I appreciate you putting effort into making a rad skateboard. Uh, that's been fun for me. I appreciate you falling for my sucker punch like that you had to pay me with a ham board to get free consulting. Um, which actually in the real world, it probably works that way. But I would have got cash. I probably would have got cash and product. So I kind of got short change. So wait a second. You're a shrewd businessman not giving me that $20,000 I should have got as well as the whole quiver of boards. So... Um, but I do want my five foot seven one back. Okay. Yeah. okay. That's what this is all about, isn't it? Yeah. You showed up. I'm like, is my yellow board going to come out of the back? Um, but you have had a lot of people ride that board. Like I said, last Tory Pudwell, Day One Song last week. They're super huge guys. I mean, they've got a couple million Instagram followers. These guys are have big fall. They loved hopping on that board and getting out there and riding it. Uh, and we did talk about that with them, how there's times in the 90s like that, like where certain things they wouldn't put in a video or whatever, but because there was so much pressure going on, like, Damn. this isn't cool. This trick's out. And I'm like, man, when does a trick ever go out? To me, if, if you did a trick and you liked it, it, it it's never out. Just do it. Yeah. You know, but unfortunately, skateboarding culture got that way. So it's opened up now that they're super stoked to try everything. Tori tried my eight wheeler and did a kickflip on it on the first try. It's oh. like 17 inches wide. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, um, and these guys were out there carving the parking lot. So it, it's awesome that skateboarding. And again, I'm going to say because of social media, mm -hmm. um, the walls were broken back down and the guys that were trying to keep skateboarding in their own place and not let it be its own thing, but to take it because they wanted all the profit from it, you know, and fuck you who tries to make skateboarding all about profit. Okay. I don't respect you. Yeah. You know, that's just a reality. I don't nothing wrong with making profit. I am so proud of people that make lots of money. Yeah. If they do a good job and make like a cool product and they, and they're cool to people. But when people are jerks and like, you know, there's some hot brands out there right now. I don't even say who they are, but some people go, I can't wait till they peak off. I can't wait to dump that shit out of my shop because they're rude to us. They're, you know what I mean? They're, they're like, you need our stuff. So you got to prepay, whatever. They're all, they're all ruthless all the way around. Um, and the reality is it doesn't, well, if you're the hot guy in town, you should be saying, oh man, we're so lucky, you know, and you keep working in the background to, to keep being lucky. Mm -hmm. Thank your customers one that you get an order from them. And, uh, Hope they're, you know, you're going to be around for a while. If you treat them like shit, those people are just waiting till the waiting. day something else hotter comes along. And they're like, it's like you're mailing them a, a nail with every shipment. And then one day they see you laying there, they're going to nail the coffin shut and go, goodbye, good riddance, throw them off the ship. You know, it's like, that's uh, uh, true. You know, so I've tried to never be that guy. I used to have rules like I would tell my guys at work, like we're not the biggest guy around. But I want every customer that we do, like very like vendor we purchase from, whatever, purchasing denim to make 
you know, jeans or, or trucks or like that. I want, if you had to ask our vendor, if they could only do business with three companies and it's not about the size, I want to be one of those three companies because I want them to appreciate the fact that we don't like, well, the color's off. We want all our money back, but we want to keep the product. We got the kind of stuff I would get from people. I'd go, that's yeah. so ludicrous. You right. gave me the wrong color on your sticker <laughs> and I printed the color and it matches the Pantone, <laughs> but now you don't like it. You don't want to pay the $3,000. It's like, how about we'll redo it for you, even though it was your fault, you know what I mean? And we'll work something out on the stuff, which you, cause you're still asking to take it cause you still want to use it, yes. but you want it for free. I'm like, the fuck is wrong with you people? You know, it's like, but people do stuff like that. Yeah. So my goal was always like, I want to be the company they'll stand behind. And when I did, when I hit Rocky Financial Times, I got love and support and protection yeah. from some people within the reason you could, because I didn't like crap on them every time yeah. I could, you know, I tried to do, tried to do something good with them. So yeah, I, and, and I, I want, you know, as our business was growing and we were trying to figure out, Hey, what type of people do we want to be? when we were running handboards, that like you were, you're like an example, you're like a model of how to do it right. Well, I and, appreciate that. And that, that was, and that was again, one of the cool life lessons, not only for me, but was really gratifying as a parent to see that be uh, ex exemplified to my sons. Well, and I was, I mean, I'm glad I got to meet all your sons. I'm glad that I got another customer that was like rad that I could drop by, drop off their <laughs> stickers, watch them put grip tape on boards, whatever, the roll grip and, and ride boards. And I mean, uh, to me, that was, we were living, that's the ultimate Dude, life. We were I'm the luckiest man skateboarding. I say it all the time. I'm the luckiest man skateboarding because yeah. I've got to do everything. Yeah. You know, got to be a manufacturer, got to print stuff for people, got to be a pro skateboarder. I got to do everything. Yeah. You know, I didn't just get and, to do a couple things. I made a lot of friends doing it. Yeah, that's the thing I really miss is having that shop and having the, the drop-in factor. And you were, you were a big part of it. We'll see. Now you dropped in here on me. Yeah, I like that. And you got stuck in a podcast. <laughs> so um, what do you have? Let's, let's, say some, let's say some goodbyes to people. Like, what, what, what do you want to say to the people of the skateboard world? There's at least three people listening, like maybe in two different oh, countries. Oh, man. Like, there might be one Canadian and, and a couple guys in New Jersey. Wow. What, what profound thing can I... Can I leave this? The, this is a test because you always shoot profound stuff. Like you, you fart it out. Like you don't even try. You walk by a Pete Hamburg. He's gonna. He's got. A, he's got a zinger. So now you're on. You're on. On I'm blast, on, as I, the kids call it. Oh, on blast. So for me to realize that, um, despite the fact that we started something really unique, that you know made it on national TV, um, kind of an international sensation. And there were so many really profound, good, special things that were happening with handboards. We, we became, you know, and a lot of it was outside the skateboarding world, mm -hmm. even though it was just technically a skateboard. I get it. I you get know, it. Technically a skateboard, it really reached a lot of different areas. It really became, for me, to, it became really profound for me to realize as I was separating from it that... Um, that family and love and connection and relationship all trump all of that. They trump Absolutely. I learned that too. I built a huge skateboard factory, had 100 employees, made stuff, watched it like you know, dwindle away from under me. And, uh, and I never lost my love for skateboarding, which I'm really super proud of because mm -hmm. there's tons of guys that are my age that are in the skateboard oh. industry that have been in the skateboard industry since, since 
you know, they were 20 like that. Most of them don't skate. They stopped skateboarding 30 years ago. You know what I mean? They don't even, they're not even, the only thing they're inta- attached to is like their team marketing guy telling them which team guy he picked up and they, they see the ads with that, but they're not really skateboarders anymore. No, you know, so, so I'm glad that I'm a skateboarder because skateboarding is the most fun thing. You're kind and of that, a unicorn. That all, yeah, there's yeah. definitely a small group of us unicorns out there. But I have an interesting story to tell you about that as far as, um, you know, uh, the industry, when you talk about you operate sort of outside the industry because your thing was probably a little more closer to the surf culture because it mm-hmm. was made for surfing and the skateboard guys don't bond with you as quickly. They try to reject you and you kind of ease your way into some of them. Yeah. But I went to a big seminar once in the skateboard industry and some of the top, top dudes in skateboarding were on a panel about digital media. And they said, like, you're a, you do this magazine, blah, blah, blah. And the question was, like, do you think you'll ever put longboarders in your magazine? Because this is the time when longboarding um, had gone to about its peak. And it was like half the skateboard business was stuff. Oh, everyone was huge. Yeah, yeah. Longboards were selling. And, uh, and they asked the guys, and I'm not going to say the names because it would embarrass him. And, you know, who knows? Maybe one day I will sell the name, say the name. But um, he said something like, have you ever seen those guys' videos? First thing he equated, that's what owning one or riding one is about videos mm. because that just, just shows you how disconnected they were from riding a skateboard to me is riding a skateboard like mm-hmm. riding a video a video of skateboarding is not really it's not really skateboarding to me watching guys really skateboard is when i believe how good they are i really mm-hmm. don't believe how good they are based on videos because i know how much oh. edit how much editing gets oh out. okay you know what I mean? right, your video is right. different they're mostly yeah. flatland styles like that right. you can see that but still but that's the that's the general assumption so he's looking at it saying like hmm well, and my answer that I could have seen that would have been like an honorable answer out of him is like, well, that's just not what we chose to cover. You know, we're really into this, you know, street thing or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, longboarding is not our game. But like, no, but he went into like, uh, have you seen those things? You know, like, I mean, some of those guys just kind of like rollerblades. And then he sat there and paused for a minute and he said, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe if you think about it, maybe someday some of those guys will become skateboarders. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> They're riding a skateboard. And I look back and I see EG, um, who works for Sector 9, uh-huh. um, and, and EG just rolled his eyes. And like at the time, they're like the biggest company in skateboarding. And this guy's up there saying, I don't know, maybe someday some of those longboard guys will become skateboarders. I'm like, wow, uh, what kind of disconnect like is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we're all skateboarders. The kids who ride penny boards are skateboarders. You know, they're not, they're not the ones who necessarily fuel the image of skateboarding, yeah. but damn well, they bring money into the shops and sell them. And, and if that's 20 more boards that shop sells a month, that means that shop gets to have one more party that you cool guy gets invited to that the kid on the penny board's probably never coming to because he's not in that cool culture, so he's not even going to get invited. But that all fuels it all. It fuels. All those it's long board sales that get pulled off those racks at the yeah. surf shops that aren't being ridden by technically everyday skateboarders are still helping skateboard guys get sent on tour and stuff like that because the money filters mm-hmm. through their system so to be ignorant to that and act like you know that's not skateboarding it's yeah. like wow dude that's just crazy and obviously i come from a generation where we had freestyle boards slalom boards downhill boards pool board you know we were open to everything because it was just skateboarding so i'm really i'm proud to come from that generation i'm proud to see it's coming back right. you know yeah. it was sad to watch it disappear um and not even in a natural way but disappear in a manipulated sort of yeah. way it's, it's sad when someone yeah. could take something as large as skateboarding and manipulate it you know through what little media there is but the media since media is now in the hands of the public you can't you can't manipulate media that easily anymore there's a counter counter reaction for anything you do yeah yeah and and i and i felt that too i felt i felt um the openness 
begin. Yeah, it, and it did. It was and a it beginning. Was, the Dogtown movie yeah. helped a little bit. Mm-hmm. It did because oh, it brought people. They people saw some flow and some surfiness and yes. were exposed to. Wait a second, there was there skateboarding was. before we saw those kids riding by the grocery store. You know, flinging their boards off the curb. Yeah. Um, right. And so yeah, it, it exposed that skateboarding didn't uh, wasn't invented in 1992. You know what I mean? Skateboarding yeah. came from much deeper than that. And its roots are, are super surf. You can never disconnect surfing from skateboarding entirely. Right. You just can't. And it was you know. it was kind of an honor to stumble upon um, by making, not having an idea how to make a skateboard and coming up with what we did because we knew so little. And going back to where we started, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Because you came into the skateboarding business and you made a rad skateboard that worked. Yeah. Uh, Carver's another company I respect for. They make oh. a skateboard that's their own their own vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marty's working there now, Marty Jimenez, you know, oh, right. and, and he's like gone there and visited. I go, this is cool. Got a good setup. They're doing good stuff. And I'm proud of somebody who just said, I'm doing what I think will work. And they believe in their own vision and they make it happen. Right. Not like, let me go ask 12 cool guys if what I do is cool. cool. You know, they're never going to tell you it's cool because they think they're the coolest. You know, it's like, so they'll either steal your idea or just say yours isn't cool. So, uh, Every le- every time there's a lesson. So mm-hmm. hey, kids, don't fall for cool guys. Don't drink the Kool Aid. Okay, spit it out. Get something healthier. Yeah. So all right. Well, Pete, it's been awesome having you on here. Oh, I appreciate point. it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, try to put some of this up when we put it on our YouTube channel. I'll try to get a couple pictures of us. Uh, some all pictures right. riding the handboard. Maybe the picture that was in your toilet. You know. Maybe oh, I'll get that yes. up there because oh, yeah, everyone that's... should know that the Hamboard crew peed while looking at me. I think that's important. <laughs> that's... So, <laughs> yeah. all right. Well, thank you for coming, sir. All right, you're, you're a good, you're a good man, and don't ever change. All right, thanks, Jim.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.